0: It's uh,
1: actually, I saw the poster. Uh, you know they advertised it a little bit in the city, and that's when I first found out about it. Uh, TikTok, actually,
2: <laughs> a friend of mine told us a, a couple weeks ago that uh, the Fluke tag was in town, and I've seen like I- I- internet videos about it. So it seemed pretty cool.
3: So my boyfriend, he works security and so they are covering part of the event. It's our one year anniversary of being together, but i never seen this before. Like, i seen videos, but I'm like, what? And it was looking so crazy to me. I was like, wow. So, and I can't swim. So I was like, let me come down here and check this out. doesn't matter how someone found themselves at Veterans Park that day. And you don't have to be a swimmer. But if you were at Veterans Park this past weekend, then you were among 50,000 people to watch the Red Bull Fluke event. If that doesn't sound familiar, the Red Bull Fluke is an event organized by Red Bull in which competitors attempt to fly a homemade human-powered flying machine and lunge themselves off a pier about nine meters high into a sea of water. The day is described as... It's pretty goofy. Busy, hustling, it's moving. Yeah. Oh it's, it's just silly. It's awesome. It's pretty awesome. The first flugtag competition was held in 1992 in Vienna, Austria. It was a major success that it's been held every year since then in over 35 cities all over the world. This year it was held in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we showed them our culture. I mean, there were flying machines made out of cheese, cows. There was even an Ian's pizza. Some of the teams were dressed as devils, Vikings, bears. The word Flugtag is German for flying day. The format takes us back to 1971 when it was invented in Selsey, a small seaside town in south of England under the name Birdman Rally. Anyone is eligible to compete, but it takes a lot of guts. To participate, each team must submit an application, and their contraptions must meet the criteria set forth by Red Bull. The most important thing, though, is the creativity and the imagination behind it all. But there are some ground rules. Your team has to consist of five people, one pilot and four ground crew members. And your materials have to be lightweight. I mean, you're launching off into water. So rather than metal, the handcrafted plane needs to pass inspection with materials lighter than water, such as foam and wood. But the real question here is who would do this? Who would take a leap of faith and really live by the slogan, Red Bull Gives You Wings? I interviewed two teams that have done just that. This is uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Saddam Fathayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee Stories that Stick With You. Did you guys drink any Red Bull that day? (laughs) Way too much. The first group I spoke with were a team of engineers and a banker.
2: We met at our freshman orientation and then we also lived on the same floor for our freshman year. We had a a few classes together and then we slowly deviated as we matured in our engineering schooling because we are different types of engineers.
3: Keep in mind that you don't have to be an engineer to apply, but it sure does help. After all, your job is to build and design a structure. Even if it's a human-powered zany flying machine, I interviewed both Ian Edison and Carl Copes virtually. And after a few connection hiccups, we got to business.
2: I am a avid extreme sports person. Love Red Bull. Been following them for years. Have watched a lot of the Red Bull. So they have three. They have soapbox car racing this fluke tag glider competition and their newest one is they actually now have a rafting competition so i've always been following them have always said if it's close i'm going to do it someday and then lo and behold one day we looked and it was going to be in milwaukee so naturally we immediately got a group together started talking about it and said all right we're doing this
3: ian interjects
2: he wants to be a red bull athlete yeah Uh, My dream one day would be to be a Red Bull athlete, but I got some work to do (laughs) to get to that point.
3: So what did you guys come up with?
2: We did a cheese-themed one, which uh, naturally we do live in Wisconsin. And since we're all from the Milwaukee area, except Ian, who's from the Green Bay area. Originally, yeah. Originally from the Green Bay area. Now we all live in the Milwaukee area. So we just decided, why not pay homage to Wisconsin? and do something that we all love we all know and most states don't understand so cheese was naturally that and so we built a cheese themed glider and then ian can kind of explain the skit that we did as well
1: thought about a bunch of different themes and like carl said we settled on cheese but there's all sorts of different things we also thought of like monty python and uh culvers or and all sorts of different stuff but since we picked cheese we didn't want to do cows because we kind of figured there'd be a lot of cows, and there were. But we decided we'd go with something, you know, a little bit more classic. Uh, we kind of did play on Tom and Jerry, where basically Carl, who was our, ended up being our pilot, uh, was the mouse. And then we were all the cats. And then we kind of just did a little slapstick kind of humor, had the slapstick music going, and just had a good time. We were going for a laugh, not trying to be too serious. We're not good dancers. We're not going to do a dance. <laughs> it's not going to gonna go over well with the judges. <laughs> um, and I think it, it didn't do a good job. I think we scored relatively well, pretty sure. But overall, we were super satisfied with the humor of the skit.
3: Episode. Before Ian explains the skit, let me just break down how the day went. Each team would get on the stage before a 20-foot ramp. They would speak to the host and introduce themselves, and then they would put on a show.
2: I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire.
3: There would be a song selection, loud music, the team would do a dance or a skit, then four members would push off the pilot, sending them into a body of water. Did you guys have time to practice?
2: I wish we had. (laughs) We we thought about it, but we always had something come up where it pushed it back and pushed it back. So we ended up finishing it the day before and said, whatever happens, happens. Yep.
1: The final pieces got put on the literal last moment they could have.
3: So what did you guys end up naming this cheese creation of yours?
1: I mean, I think technically the name was Fortune Favors the Mold. But I think we could have probably come up with something better, maybe. I
3: don't know. How long did it take you guys to create Fortune Favors the Mold?
1: Over 100 hours, at least.
2: Yeah. It, it was probably a couple weeks of brainstorming, coming up with ideas. Because we got officially, the start date was about two and a half months before, three months before yeah, this past we weekend. Yeah,
1: probably the end of April.
2: yeah. And then we spent probably a month just figuring out what we actually wanted to do. And then probably a month of random things happening where we didn't really work on it. And then a month of actually building it and working on it. And two weeks of, all right, we have to do this every day because we have this coming up in two
3: weeks. Yeah, I definitely relate to that where you have a few months to meet the deadline. And then it just keeps creeping up. And the next thing you know, the day's already there. But I'm dying to know how that day went for both of you guys. I mean, I can only imagine what was going through your heads, you know, performing in front of 50,000 people.
2: It's kind of crazy being down, they called it the uh, the pit area, where everyone's gliders were. And you, you look around, it's crowded. There's a lot of people there. But then when you start going up the ramp and you turn around and you just see this sea of people all watching your heart you. Your starts all- thumping. Yeah, and you just kind of go, oh, boy, well, I guess this is happening. And then, I mean, honestly, as a pilot, you don't, there was actually another pilot that came up to me and asked, is it scary? Like, I'm, I'm a little scared. I'm worried. Does it hurt? And I said, honestly, you have no time to even think about it. You you do your skit, you do your dance, whatever you're doing, you get on the cart, your team starts pushing you, and the next thing you know it, you are in the air and i even said you don't even have time to think about hitting the water the next thing you know you just hit the water
1: carl i never got a chance to ask, but did you hit the water faster than you expected
2: yes absolutely it was (laughs) it was kind of a a blackout oh wait i the water's already here all right sounds good because i had i this plan of if i start falling i'm gonna navigate the craft, lift my legs, do whatever, and none of that happened. It was just immediately, boop, off off the end, and it hit the water.
3: What about you, Ian? I mean, you had the pleasure of pushing your teammate off the ramp.
2: Pretty similar. Um,
1: we were just going up, and you look behind you, and everybody, you're talking to their teams a little bit before you go up, just wishing them luck, all that jazz. It's, you really, like Carl said, you don't have time to think. And I'm just glad, because when we were pushing the cart, and... You have to push as far as you can and then let go. And they make sure, they tell you, do not go in the water before you get the go ahead. Cause they want to make sure that the craft is out of the way and that your pilot is safe and that everything is good to go. Um, but I held on just for a little too long and almost ended up in the water with the craft. And I would have been the only one to do it that day. So that would have been a little embarrassing, but I managed
2: to hold on.
3: Do you guys remember how you scored?
2: You get judged out of 50 on your performance, so your skit, your dance, your whatever you want to call it that some people did. The judges give you a score on that, and we actually ended up doing really well on that. We got a 43 out of 50. Donald Driver gave us an 8. So, yep, Donald Driver gave us an 8, so we were pretty happy about that one.
3: (laughs) Yep, you heard that right. Donald Driver, Green Bay Packers wide receiver, was one of the judges. I mean, talk about enhancing performance anxiety. You both said that day went by incredibly fast. But did you guys have a moment, you know, a favorite moment during the whole experience?
2: I think my favorite moment was just finally being able to be part of something that I've watched for so long. To really just, I mean, be there, but then also represent Milwaukee too. Being a, a team from Milwaukee and just seeing the city growing over the years and seeing something so cool like this happening there. So that was my favorite moment.
3: What about you, Ian?
1: That people love to come out for things like this in the city of Milwaukee is just so cool. And it just made going up there so much more meaningful, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, it. Shout out to the city of Milwaukee. Much love.
3: Ugh! How cool is it to watch something as a child or growing up, maybe in college, and then wish you were up there doing just that? And then flash forward to your future and then doing it. What are the chances? Fortune Favors the Mold wasn't the only Milwaukee team to represent. This upcoming team planned for the unexpected. But right as they were setting their glider on the stage, one of the wheels came off. Did that mishap lead them to doom? Or did they manage to save the day in mere seconds? Find out right after this short break.
4: Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the honor system. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today.
3: It makes sense that engineers would take a stab at creating a man-made aircraft for the Red Bull Fluke but they weren't the only people that decided to stand up for the challenge. This time, it's a team of artists. I spoke of founder of House of Rad, Brandon Minga, who partnered with Tim Preby to learn about their experience in creating the Barrel Bomber. Before we talk about that eventful, wacky day, tell me a little bit about House of Rad.
4: We uh, created the House of Rad from a shared interest in um, collaborating with artists and builders and dreamers. And we started with a small space when like-minded people kept showing up. We're like, let's get more space and then more space. And now this is our third location in less than three years, um, as we've now invited some 33-plus artists and growing to participate in our little experiment.
3: So how did you two learn about Fluketog?
4: We were contacted by some friends that we know that are uh, work for Trinity uh, Bar Restaurant downtown, and they knew we were builders and doers and uh, through a variety of conversations thought, hey, you guys would be a great partner to do this with us. Um, so we joined forces and uh, that's where we ended up there. It all first started with uh, all of us meeting over a welding table and drawing on it with a sharpie. <laughs> so as we talked about inspirational aspects of, you know, Milwaukee and a beer city and we thought, you know, what if it was a barrel? What if it had wings and it had like kind of a steampunk aesthetic? and Brandon doodled something on the, uh, the table with a Sharpie. We added some more as we talked and eventually Brandon was asked to make a concept sketch that went into the competition. That was part of the final entry. And then I built a little scale model of that inspired by Brandon. And then it went into kind of production mode. We started making reusable parts. We tried to invent it in a way that it, it was, uh, something we could almost, uh, put together like a kit so the the individual wing pieces were the same piece used nine times the center foam section that made the barrel was the same foam pattern used over and over again so it it became pretty easy to almost manufacture it
0: in a way i think actually mark one of our tenants brought the competition to our attention Um, and we were like we don't have the funds to do this on our own and we're too busy like we're still kind of completing this third move um but yeah tim tim is right in that without our friends approaching us we wouldn't have done it so it was a great challenge um a lot of the stuff we did was done on the fly uh very quickly um but it's not our first rodeo
4: yeah i think i'd add to you know mentioning mark and another uh artist here danny who participated as well as key contributors to solving those like daily challenges we're like how do you connect the wing and how do you how is this tail gonna fit on here and those guys really stepped up and being part of the process to say i think i have an idea and sometimes we'd all disappear into our shops and come back three hours later with that thing done and have figured it out on our own so there was a lot of collaboration and individual contribution to that
3: you know, I talked to engineers about their experience and they mentioned that they finished the day before. Was that the same for you? Did you guys do any trials? There's
4: no way to test run throwing it off a 22 foot high cliff. But um, we did, uh, you know, we were pretty confident that it would uh, hold together. And but we were building till the last minute, which isn't unusual in our business. You know, you're, we're artists and you, you, you know, not only are you inspired by the pressure of it all, um, you do keep plussing that thing where you're like, we have a little more time, let's do a little more. Let's... We actually, in the original concept, thought we wouldn't paint it. And as it got closer, realized, ah, we really should paint it. And then the, those final days were the paint job that we, you know, did the night before.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he did a really great uh, carving job with the foam and like really made it look like wood and then the paint was burning the foam, which we were like, oh God. (laughs) And (laughs) then, but then it also made it like, it added character to make it even look further like wood. And yeah, it was just happy accidents. You got to go with it when you got that much time. Yeah,
4: that was probably an important part of the process. Like those accidents became enhancements where we realized that if, wait, this is kind of cool looking, let's not panic. Let's see if we can do it again on the entire barrel so that it was consistent. So it's kind of an important part of what we do is to not freak out when it goes wrong, to actually think of that as an opportunity to make it even cooler.
3: And the day of, how, how was the atmosphere like getting up on that stage?
4: It's a pretty much like a circus there. I don't know if you actually attended, did, but yeah. um, a lot bigger than I expected, a lot larger crowd, More of a, more energy than I expected. We had lots of positive feedback on the design throughout the day, which was really fun to have people ask for pictures. And you kind of first think they're there to photograph the object, and then they're like, no, no, you get in the photo yeah, too. So we, we became parts of people's family photos that they're just wanting to grab those shots. Um, then the excitement of getting it up the ramp was uh, momentarily interrupted when we had a wheel fall off, which I don't think anyone who watched knew about. So. In a panic, we adjusted and it slowed down our launch a little because we were impacted by that adjustment. Another adjustment we had to make and, uh, but we got it off the end of the ramp and some really cool photographs show it in, in, you know, in air. So. What about you? How was that
3: day like
4: for you? Uh, It was a ramping up of
0: anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then to lose our wheel as we're about to push off, we were just like, well, we it, like you know it's game time we can't we can't stop now so those adjustments made it so that we could get it off the ramp but yeah watching the the park fill with 50,000 people was pretty crazy um, we, it, we expected it to be a long day which actually felt like a much shorter day because there were so many people to interact with and asking questions and taking pictures with and things like that so um, it was it was a lot of fun.
3: Neither Brandon or Tim were the pilot. It was Zach from their collaboration with Trinity. But it's a fluke talk tradition for all members to jump into the water after the performance. If you don't, you get booed off stage. So did yep. you guys jump in the water afterwards?
4: <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Brandon and I did not jump in the water. So you guys booed. <laughs> we did get booed. Yeah, that's an interesting feeling to get booed by 50,000 people. (laughs) The walk of shame. Typically seen on campus at 1130 on a Sunday, but now right up here on the flight deck. I wasn't committed to the idea of getting wet, and so I didn't even bring a change of clothes. I just thought, I'm not doing that. And a couple of the other team were enthusiastic about it, and I was like, nah. Oh
3: my goodness! I would love to learn a little bit more about, you know, perhaps favorite moments throughout that entire day.
4: Uh, I think one of my favorites is we actually uh, became friends with one of the other build teams. They had a need to do some welding on their vehicle and through a variety of connections knew that we were open to them coming over. So they had several visits to our studio and we helped them build their craft um, and grew a good friendship with them. So it's really fun to have that camaraderie of that team that's two ahead of us—we know them, and we teased them throughout the day. And I went over there and said, "Your vehicle doesn't smell like pizza; it smells like fear." Like just those kind of teases all day long—that um, was my favorite part, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think I think I would echo the same thing, um, and then just say moreover that like when you when you're in that position and there's 34 other teams. We all have this, like, frenemy mentality where we're trying to win, but at the same time, we have this camaraderie, and it's, it's really fun. And we actually, so, like, the, the after-party events were really great because we were all friendly to each other and talked about collaboration and them coming here and us going there. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it was all about.
3: Last week, our episode covered Milwaukee creatives. And I got a cool wake-up call on how creative Milwaukee gets. Sometimes creating something doesn't have to last. Sometimes it's meant to be experienced in the moment. And in this case, in front of 50,000 people. For some, this might be a weird, goofy thing that you don't really think of as art or creativity. But for others, people like Carl, this was a lifelong dream, one for the books. So who knows, maybe if you see some paper, wood, or foam hanging around, you might get the sudden inspiration to create the next human-powered flying aircraft. I'm your host, Salam Fatayir. Thank you to Nate Imig, our executive producer, Kenny Perez, our audio engineer. Thank you to our marketing team, led by Sarah Lahr, Graphics and our wonderful logo are created by Aaron Bagada and our community engagement manager is Maddie Reardon, while Dan Reiner handles our social media accounts. And of course, a big special thanks to our members. See you next Monday for another Uniquely Milwaukee episode.